What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 7, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, The Knox. You can find us on Google Play Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Rate us. Review us. Give us a five-star rating. Review us again. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends where to find us, and then have them review us and rate us and give us another five-star rating. Uh, It's just like, what is that, Amway? Is that it? The one, the pyramid scheme? Uh, Sure. Yeah, it's, it's like just a Ponzi like scheme. It's the Ponzi scheme that is podcasting, and you can contribute by doing those things. Right. And if you still don't understand what's all going on, you have any questions for us, uh, you can get us hold of us by email. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. You know, we could have totally, like dropped a g and spelled it t-h-r-u i mean i like it because i'm a stickler for perfection yeah but it's also kind of fun to go (laughs) w-a-l-k-i-n-g-t-h-r-o-u-g-h-t-h-e-s-t-a-r-g-a-t-e at gmail.com all it needs is a jingle and then we're (laughs) We'll we'll work on that for next time so listeners if you are really good at jingles make a jingle for us (laughs) yeah and email it to us at walking through the stargate edge that's (laughs) w-a-l-k We need more jingles in our life, Brent. We do. We do. Especially if it's like a 1960s style jingle, that'd be pretty Ooh. great. Right? Ooh, there you go. W-A-K-L-A-I. No, I'm already screwing it up. Let's like like, like, like a WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, there you go. There That's you a good go. Idea. That's a good there idea. you go. Uh, all right. So if you've so got any great Knox. ideas, do it. The Knox. We, okay. All right. So, Tell me about the Knox. Uh, the Knox was directed by Charles Correll. Uh, this is his first episode that he has directed for SG-1. Uh, mm-hmm. He will go on and direct a second episode later on in Season 2. Uh, hint, that's one of my favorite episodes ah. uh, in Season 2. Uh, he also, uh, I was doing some study on IMDb, he directed several episodes of MacGyver, so he uh, certainly knew... Uh, Richard Dean Anderson from there. Yeah, uh, he fun. was the cinematographer for Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Hmm. So there, you, there you go. And sadly, yeah. he uh, died in two thousand four. I'm trying uh, to remember, like Search for Spock. I, I, I liked that one, but am I allowed to like that one? You know, there's the rule. Well, the rule, you know, the odd rule, you know, so one, three, and five are terrible, and two, four, yeah. six are good. Yeah. Uh, you are welcome to like whatever you like, Brent. I mean, well, you do I appreciate you. That's that. the thing. I appreciate um, that. The reality is Search for Spock, well, okay, in my opinion, I don't think the Search for Spock is as good as some of the other movies. Um, but it's not a horrible movie. But the cinematography was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get to see the Enterprise blow up in that one. Yeah. Spoiler. Oh, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We keep we keep spoiling these like you know twenty five thirty year old movies. So uh. okay, all right. So back to the Knox. Yes, uh, it was directed by Charles Carell. Um, the writer was Hart Hansen. 
Uh, he's had a prolific career as a writer, but this was his only SG-1 credit. Hmm. Um, notables for him is uh, later on he will go on to create the TV series Bones. Oh, so yeah, okay. There you go. Uh, the Knox originally aired on September 12, 1997. Uh, on that date, the U.S. was listening to Honey by Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. and the U.K. was listening to The Drugs Don't Work by Verb. <laughs> Those are pretty crappy drugs if they oh, don't work. And well, also, like, it's just the flashbacks are, like, pretty, you know, just, I'm just, you know, I can hear both those songs in my head right now. Well, that's great. You know, I was thinking that, that, that you know, it'd be kind of fun to play those songs, but then oh. there's things like copyright and all of that stuff. Yeah. So if you figure that out, Brent, and figure out if it works, then you can do that. Well, there's uh, that, uh, there's that modifying twist. 20% rule. Maybe if I speed it up by 20%. Well, yeah. there you go. You, you, you do you, Brent. Figure it out, and then we'll, we'll go on with that. Uh, at the box office this weekend, number one was The Game. Number two, G.I. Jane. Uh, number three was Fire Down Below. Number four, Money Talks. Number five, The Full Monty. And just wow, missing the top really? five was Air Force One. Yeah. Again, flashbacks. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever saw Money Talks or Fire Down Below, but I saw all the rest of those. Uh-huh. Um, on this day, uh, September 12, 1997, New York Met John Olerud hits uh, a cycle. And I had to look up what a cycle was because yeah. I'm such a huge baseball fan. No, I also don't know what a cycle is. Uh, so a cycle is when you hit a, in one game a single, a double, a triple, and a home run. Oh, okay. Well, good for him. Um, good for him. And apparently, if you do it in that order, it's like called the natural home run, uh, not natural cycle, but uh, a natural cycle. Whatever. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I was also doing some study around that. Okay, so about a week before this episode aired. Uh, there was a funeral for one Princess Diana. Uh huh. And there were two and a half billion people or so watching that around yeah. the world. My sister and my mother were two of those two and a half billion people. And I was reluctantly forced to watch because we were doing a college visit at that time in Ohio. And, uh, uh, the, because the funeral was at a normal time in London, it was really early in the morning. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so we were in the hotel room and that was playing and it was, yep. it was very sad. Indeed. Uh, on the sad. next day on September 13th, yeah. uh, then Elton John releases his tribute to princess Diana candle in the wind. 97. Yeah. Yep. Um, this would be a great time to play that too, Brent. Get on it. Oh, right. Okay. Right, right. Okay. Uh, no. Um, and then also, right there. around the same time, Mother Teresa also died. Yeah. Um, and so her state funeral was held in India on the 13th of 1997. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so that was what was happening when the Knox aired. Um, actually, I think it's kind of appropriate that that uh, the Knox is about peace winning totally. out, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and you've got this going on. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Purely an accident, I'm quite certain, but mm-hmm. still works nicely. Trivia about uh, this particular episode: uh, the credit for Mikasha Armstrong's character Shackle uh, is apparently misspelled in the credits. It's Skackle. Skackle. <laughs> And, um, and, Mich- and Mikasha Armstrong as Skak... No, wait, what? Skak what? Uh, okay. Um, 
shackle is what the issue is. Uh, apparently, I didn't do any more than look online and it said this, so I don't know exactly where it is, but apparently there is a clip from this episode that is featured in the film Fanboys. Uh, Armin Shimmerman. <laughs> Armin Shimmerman, uh, who plays Antaeus, uh, is of course best known as Quark in Quark! Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Quark! He's Quark. here! Oh, he was also the principal in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, oh, oh so yeah! I didn't really watch a lot of Buffy, the first though, so. couple of seasons, and then he got eaten yeah. by a snake, I think. Spoilers. So I, 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 I know you just said snake, but at first I heard steak, as in like <laughs> slab of meat, and I was like, he was eaten by a steak. Oh my goodness, this is interesting. Oh my no. goodness. No, nope. yeah. Okay. Uh, so in this episode, uh, you hear Teal'c called a Sholva. Uh, which means traitor, and this is mm-hmm. the first time that that uh, term Shova is used to talk about Teal'c, and we'll see that come in over and over and over again throughout the series. Also, you hear Teal'c use the phrase, I die free, uh, which will also return mm-hmm. for it. So, nice. So uh, those are little, some tidbits that those little bits of who Teal'c is uh, return as the series progress. So... Are you ready, Brent, for the synopsis? Yes. Let's All right. dive in so this once is again. Once again, from the Stargate Command Wiki, with some of my own edits, because it was confusing at times. So, here we go. <laughs> go. SG-1 travels to the planet Gaia in search of a creature with the ability to appear and disappear at will. Such abilities would give them a great tactical advantage against the Goa'uld. But when Apophis arrives on the planet in pursuit of the same creature, the team plots to capture Apophis instead. Their plan, ambush the Goa'uld, take out his guards quickly, and tranquilize him with the darts they originally brought to use on the creature. During the failed ambush, Apophis surprises SG-1 when he uses an energy shield to protect himself from Colonel Jack O'Neill's tranquilizer dart. O'Neill, Carter, and Jackson are killed. Teal'c declares, Tal Shakamel, I die free. But before Apophis can kill his former first prime, Teal'c disappears, along with the rest of SG-1. Apophis stands there shocked. Later, O'Neill, Dr. Jackson, and Captain Carter awaken in a place that bears similarities to a barn. They discover that they were brought back to life by the Nox, a race of peaceful people with advanced healing powers and the ability to make objects and people disappear and reappear at will. The Nox also revive a Jaffa guard. Tilk recognizes him. He is Shackle, not Skackle, Shackle. He is Shackle, one of the <laughs> warriors Tilk trained while in the service of the Gua'uld. Meanwhile, Apophis and his remaining entourage attempt to locate the SG-1 team. Apophis is agitated. He had Tilk at his mercy right in front of him, and then he disappeared a moment later. And adding to his frustrations, they cannot seem to find the Stargate. The Nox appear primitive, and they refuse to share how they healed the team. They tell SG-1 that their weapons are gone and continuously try to talk them out of trying to defend them against uh, Apophis. They seem to be utterly complacent regarding their safety and the safety of SG-1, simply stating that their ways have kept them alive for as long as they have existed. They also refuse to allow any harm to come to Shackle, 
including being taken taken as a prisoner back to the SGC, despite SG-1's protests. Teal'c offers Shackle a chance to join them, but he refuses to believe that Apophis is a false god. He feigns an injury and attracts the attention of Laia, whom he kills after stabbing Steel after stabbing Teal'c. In the commotion, he escapes. Returning to Apophis, he reports all he knows about the Nox and SG-1. Meanwhile, the Nox begin the healing ceremony to revive Laia. SG-1 discovers that when the Nox are doing the healing ceremony, they are vulnerable because they are unable to hide themselves. Despite SG-1's attempts to convince the Nox of the impending threat, they refuse to do anything to defend themselves. Soon, SG-1 begins their pursuit of Shackle and the Goa'uld. Nefreyu, a Nox child, appears behind O'Neill and asks to see a Goa'uld, but O'Neill tells him to go back home. Unfortunately, Nefreyu does not listen and goes off to find the Goa'uld himself. The Nox and SG-1 begin a search for the boy. During their search, Anteus chastises O'Neill. O'Neill defends himself by reminding the Nox leader that he told the boy to go home, to which Anteus retorts that he told SG-1 to do the same. The very young do not always do as they are told. Nefreyu finds Apophis and his entourage. The Gua'uld kill Nefreyu and leave his body in the path. The search party finds Nefreyu's body and takes him back to the camp to begin the healing ceremony. SG-1's offer to defend the Nox from the Gua'uld during the ceremony falls on deaf ears, with the Nox demanding that there will be no more killing. SG-1 should return home. Instead, SG-1 plots a second time to take down Apophis, this time utilizing a presumed flaw in Apophis's personal defense energy shield. Slow-moving objects, like a staff weapon or an arrow, seem to pass through the shield, even while it protects against higher-speed projectiles or staff weapon blasts. This time, SG-1 is successful. They take out the Jaffa guards, and O'Neill corners Apophis with his bow and arrow. Just as the arrow is about to hit Apophis, the Nox make him disappear, saving his life. SG-1 returns to where the Stargate was, and are greeted by Anteus and Nefreyu, who bid them farewell. The Nox make the Stargate appear again, and promise to bury it once their guests leave. O'Neill protests, saying that the Gua'uld would return in a spacecraft to destroy them. Anteus then reveals a large floating city for SG-1 to see, proving how advanced they really are. Their primitive appearance does not tell the whole story about the Nox. Anteus hopes that one day the Tauri will learn that their way is not the only way. After they disappear, uh, the team laments the fact that they would not listen to the Nox, and now they have to leave, never to return. O'Neill reveals that they did learn a few lessons, and those lessons are worth taking home. The end. The end. The end. So, Brent, yeah. the Knox. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. So, Brent? I think, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Brent? <laughs> the internet is totally not our friend right now. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, 
That's okay. I'll just edit it. So let's try that again. So, Brent, what do you think? So I am a big, big sucker for these types of stories. The the peace always wins stories. I love Mm -hmm. them. I think that uh, it's it, it it warms the depths of my stone cold heart uh, to see these types of th- these types of stories play out, and so I was really kind of jamming on this one particularly. Uh, I am ashamed to admit, though, that it took probably half the episode before I realized uh, that uh, that Antaeus was uh, was Armin, and that it's so all of a sudden I'm like, it's Quark! Oh my it's goodness, Quark. it's Quark! <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, I thought this was a really fun story. I mean, there was definitely a couple of pieces which I thought were kind of bad, which I'll get to in a minute. But generally speaking, um, like this story felt believable. Like, you know, there was this, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, this amazing, uh, you know, this this, this amazing story, this amazing, like, you know, almost magical quality to these people. And uh, uh, this this, uh, you know, this kind of tense moment. Uh, like the tension that was there, I actually was kind of buying into, which sure, um, sure. Uh, felt awesome as opposed to like some of those other tense moments that don't really feel very plausible. Right. Um, th- this one. Right. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, um, at the end, I mean, granted, like I should have seen this coming a mile away, but hey, I was like kind of cheering that the knocks were a heck of a lot more sophisticated than they let on. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, Hey, they're, they're doing fine. They've got a, they've got a huge city off in the distance that is uh, obviously indicative of a thriving culture. Uh, they, they have a lot more ability to defend themselves than what people think. And uh, so that felt, that felt like a good ending too. I, I like that. That was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so like you? this. What did you like about this? One? Um, you know, I, I like uh, some of the the uh, the lessons that the Knox try to teach them. You know, the very young do not always uh, do as they are told. Uh, I like that little bit there um, because it's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The the idea that that says, um, uh, um, oh shoot, now I'm, I'm blanking on it. Uh, what's the other phrase here? Uh, Your ways are not the only ways. That's the mm-hmm. one. Uh, mm-hmm. That's actually something that is really, really worth thinking about and pondering and wrestling with, uh, in, in especially today's world. Um, uh, our ways aren't the only ways. And uh, that doesn't mean that our ways are necessarily wrong, uh, but that me- does mean that there are other ways that are also legitimate in doing it. And, and mm-hmm. wrestling with that and figuring that out is, is, is valuable. I think that's a good lesson that the SG-1 uh, team learns here. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Knox. I just love... They're, they're, they're fun. They're, they're so peaceful. Uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a, a slowness to them. Uh, like like pacing wise, they they don't yeah. speak fast. They they uh, and all of that stuff. And yet, uh, you know, we were actually talking last week about Cold Lazarus being just kind of a slowly paced episode, mm-hmm. uh, and it just kind of was kind of dragging a little bit. This one doesn't go a whole lot faster pacing wise, but it feels good to me because it just kind of plays into that that sense of who the Knox are. Um, I liked it. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't quite notice. So definitely on Cold Lazarus, I was noticing the pacing. Um, and on this one, I, d- I just didn't. I think that the story was cut in a way that felt a lot more natural. 
Um, or maybe it was just like the concept of the setting or the scenery that made me kind of chill out a little bit and into the groove that the knocks were exhibiting. Um, but you know, I mean, as you say that the pacing was kind of similar at first, I was like, well, no, it was faster. Wasn't it? And now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, I'm not so sure. Um, there were definitely plenty of moments in the Knox where there's some, you know, there's some explanation. There's some, uh, there's some philosophy going on, uh, you know, that's development that's having that, that has to happen as a result of conversation and not action. Uh, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was pretty great. That was pretty great. Yeah. Um, some of the things that, that I thought were kind of silly, um, uh, that, that guy from the government at the beginning, but, yeah. No, I thought it was kind of cool at the beginning. It's like, you know, take a look at this. This is how we open the front door. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Right. I, I kind of fun. And he's like, wow, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden, boom, he turns and he's like, so uh, are we really doing this? Or like, why are we doing this? What is its purpose? How can yeah. we not bring stuff back? And I'm like, yeah. what? What? Uh, yeah. It, uh, that, that didn't... I, that 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 turn uh, it was so quick that it just was hard for me to buy that um uh another thing okay so they find out that that apophis by the way it's really cool to see apophis again uh it's really cool yeah. to to see the gua wold again we haven't seen them since the pilot episode yeah no that that uh, you brought it up i think uh last time we recorded but i it 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 uh i hadn't really appreciated that we have gone this entire time without seeing them yet Yes. So this is the first time that they come up against uh, any actual Gua Wold. Um, uh, so that's kind of cool. But so mm-hmm. here they are. They find out that Apophis and his entourage are on this planet. Uh, also apparently looking for that creature that makes themselves invisible, which isn't actually the creature. It was the Nox, uh, which, by the way, is really cool and smart on the part of the Nox, by the way. Yeah. So but then Carter says, OK, so we've got to plan this out really, really carefully. And so here's what they do. You hide here, you hide here, you hide here. And when I go, ah, you all just start shooting, shooting, shooting. And then I'll jump out into the middle of everything and try to dart the one guy. That's a great plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kindergartners can yeah. do better than that. Yes, they sure can. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, and then, and then, okay, so... So they're all shooting from from uh, uh, defensible positions. They've got pretty good cover, and they are shooting semi-automatic or automatic weapons at yeah. a bunch of guys who are out in the open. And what can they not hit? Anything. The broadside of a barn. Yeah. I was like, come on. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, okay, I get the story, but the, in this, this case, the, the direction doesn't play out or the way it was set up doesn't, yeah. is not believable uh, to me. And then I also thought it was kind right. of funny when Apophis was sitting there, he's got like this button on his, on his, his bracelet or something that's going to turn on his shield. And we find that out in a minute, but right. he's just kind of sitting there. Yeah. There's these bullets flying everywhere. Yeah. And he's like, now, nope, now, <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, oh, 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 now. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, if it were me, I'd be like, boom, right there right. from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, yeah, he, he's definitely looking kind of trepidatious for the longest time in both in like lots of scenes, which kind of gets me. So, you know, I'll, I'm going to jump in with a little bit of my meh bear right now, because I the, the one thing that I kept kind of thinking to myself was a little outlandish was that Apophis, who apparently is like as 
uh, as as up there as Ra was in the movie. Um, he's wandering around this place. Okay, fine. Yeah, I get it. They're back, right? They're trying to to capture the secret of the hummingbird monster or whatever. Um, he's wandering around on foot with four Jaffa. Like what? <laughs> it just it just didn't. I just didn't buy it. It was just like, yeah. where's your, where's your shipcraft thing? Where's your, where's your like yacht with, with like, you know, loaded to bear with all sorts of guns while you're kind of canvassing the, the entirety of this planet looking for like, you know, where's your giant, like four mile wide net where you can just catch one of these things <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> marching around on foot in the forest, trying to find this, getting all scared every time that you come into a meaningful cut in the hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, just, you know, so yeah, there, one, there's a couple pieces there. Plausible, right? You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, fortunately, that's really there not for its own purpose, but to uh, tell the story of the Knox. Um, yes, it, it, it's not believable, um, but uh, you know, hey, it, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. All right, what else you got for me? So. Um, not a whole lot. I, I, I liked this one. Um, I thought that uh, wardrobe on the show, once again, totally uh, busted out their uh, flannel, or not, not their flannel pajamas, but their like seersucker like fabrics <laughs> and totally went to town with the Knox's outfits. Those things yeah. were bonkers, man. <laughs> and like, <laughs> here, wear this wig. Great. And now let me go to Joanne Fabric and get all of the uh, plant, you know, the fake plant material I can find and just stick it in there. Yep. Uh, you you know, know, a little bit more, a little. Yep, there mm-hmm. we go. Perfect. <laughs> and and it, it, it was great, <laughs> but it was definitely just wild. And, I'm, and, and I just couldn't yeah. help but just be like, whoa, that is definitely a that's 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 an outfit, man. Whew. And, you know, yeah, I, yeah OK, I, I technically saw it in the trailer last week, but I mean, I, I really got to see it this time around. So, yeah, uh, but, you know, uh, it is bonkers. It is bonkers. But I'm going to say that I like it. The um, outfits it, it it fits i think for for who these people are mm-hmm. um, um that, that's something that i would actually be interested in learning more about the knox is is how they incorporate uh more advanced technology uh and cultural living with this down to nature you know yeah. uh, tribal quality to it uh mm-hmm. clearly they do i mean they, but they've got this vast city that's floating in space that's hidden um they're not actually humans they're something else so uh maybe their ability to hide things and is actually innate to their species or maybe it's a technology we don't really know uh but i think it would, it would i would love to know more about that oh yeah this episode just doesn't give it to me um and so. It, it feels kind of intentional that they're not giving that to us. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I'm not like, complaining. Uh, you know, I'm just saying I wish I knew. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, here's the, the bottom line is I like this episode and I, I don't have much to say. I mean, oftentimes, you know, we really start ragging on it and that that's where our content comes from. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. This was a great this was an episode that I think was just a nice sort of stand up episode on its own, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, nice and tight, 
nice and episodic 40 minutes, 40 minutes of great content, uh, an intriguing story, a, a, a plausible reason why there should be tension here. Pretty good execution on that tension. Um, you know, there's definitely some like logic gaps that a person should ignore specifically around Apophis and his entourage and Mm -hmm. why they would be marching around, uh, the wilds of British Columbia looking for, uh, an invisible hummingbird. But the, uh, with totality yeah yeah right the totality of this episode is just just well rounded right there's not a lot of gaps there's not a lot of uh obvious like overreaches or or bad moments or you know like it was just just pleasant it was just a pleasant episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i like it um you know this is one that that i will often return to uh, and watch it again because um, it's got Armin Shimmerman and I know and, and I know. it's, it's just so a, good yeah so uh, I think oh, that leads you know, to, but, I didn't think about this um, now that I'm kind of a, uh, thinking about it I got so used to seeing Armin as Cork that seeing him in basically the exact opposite role <laughs> Right. Like Cork is this right. This greedy of self-serving. I mean, yeah, he definitely has tendencies of of uh, of 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 selflessness uh, from time to time. But he, you know, thinks it's a bit embarrassing and he quickly goes back to being as selfish as he possibly can be. And and uh, and here Antaeus is like almost the exact opposite. Right. Mm -hmm. There's still definitely some um, judgment. Uh, I'll use there's there's authority i wouldn't call it judgment there's yeah certain, he's got some really strong authority in this yeah um and, and, and he definitely and he, knows what he's talking about like yes he believes what he is talking about and he knows what he believes and um, it is proved that what he believes yeah, actually works mm-hmm. um and that's really nice uh oftentimes you get these stories and we mentioned this earlier is that 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 uh uh, you know, we, peace always wins, uh, but oftentimes they have to do a big fighting uh, for the peace to often win. And that yeah. just is antithetical to the phrase peace always wins right. uh, for this. Uh, and yet here, sure, the SGC, the SG1 team does a lot of stuff. But but in the end, it's not the SG1 team that wins. Mm-hmm. It's the Knox who wins. And they win by not being mm-hmm. violent. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was a little is... worried. Yeah. When the story was kind of going along, I was a bit worried that, uh, that the writing was going to say, you see, sometimes you got a bloody, a nose to keep the peace. Um, you know, it, it was trending that way. Uh, and I'm really glad that they kind of stuck to their guns, uh, within mm-hmm. the context of the story and found a way to describe how it was possible. Um, now, the one thing, though, that is a bit um, a bit critical of a little is that um, uh, the in this particular story, how peace always wins is that peace was actually a heck of a lot more powerful than you think it is. Uh, like, I mean, to say, like, technologically advanced, right? Like, you know, the Knox were the Knox were a lot more capable than what we gave them credit for uh, most of the way through this episode. Um, and that is kind of another way of saying that 
you know, might wins. It just so happens that we didn't see the Knox's might until the tail well, end. Well, but see, here's, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, it depends on what you mean by might in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the, the idea here is that uh, might is not about uh, uh, military power. Mm-hmm. Might is not about uh, violent power. Might is about something different. Um, and it's pretty clear, I think, through the way the Knox are described in the whole episode, is that their might, their power, their uh, position of authority comes not through militaristic uh, a prowess, but through something different, through a, a peaceful means of, of nonviolence there. Uh, so sure, they have a might and they have power, but it's not the military power and it's, the, and it's their power of peace and uh, calm that actually wins the day. Not, so, you know, I don't think that any of that would... Uh, 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 harm the our idea or, you know, the, this, this still really is a, a peace wins episode, I think. Um, so, and now I'm going to talk into, uh, the space because Brent has disappeared. I am back. Hey, he's back. Internets are fun. (laughs) Technical difficulties abound. (laughs) Oh boy. So yeah, you know, I, I start talking and I'm like, "Eh, Brent's not saying anything. Uh, but I'll just keep talking, and then I'll babble, babble, and Brent's not saying anything, and and then I realized Brent's not there. Brent's not there. I'll edit. I'll edit all that out. Either that, or I'll leave it in. I'm not sure. We'll find out. See, here's hey, the best it'll part. Be f- yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Like, you know, like you know. So, oh, wait a minute. Several things. First off, I'm talking out uh, outside my mic right now. There. Now I'm back at my mic. Hi. Hello. This is Brent. Good to hear you. Um, <laughs> No, Hello, the uh, Brent. yeah. <laughs> no, the, what what uh, what? Uh, so this will either be pretty awesome. Uh, I have no idea what happened in my absence. Uh, I actually don't know why I had an absence, but uh, that happened. Uh, and uh, I'll put well, it all together uh, again and find out. Yeah. Well, basically, Brent, what I was talking about is is, is the uh, uh, the Knox's uh, might does not come from military pow- prowess. It comes mm-hmm. from something different. Uh, their might, their power, their authority, their strength comes not through uh, through the barrel of a gun, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, or even the the idea that the strong protect the weak, um, which even there has has some some faults because the reality is that the Knox have a tremendous strength. But they don't share it in the same way, and they don't express it the same way yeah. as, as yeah. the SGC. Mm-hmm. But but all of that is not to, does not to reduce their their uh, uh, the the idea behind this, the theme behind this, that peace wins, truly does win. Mm-hmm. That, that you can get to a solution without having to resort to violence. Um, uh, they they have authority. It's just a different type of authority. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think that I would love to see a successful story told where, um, you know, in in a in a plausible way, where like a genuine um, peacefulness 
uh, somehow triumphs. Um, you know, I mean, as I'm saying that, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, what am I talking about that? Am I talking about like, uh, you know, nonviolent uh, confrontation, you know, like, you know, nonviolent disobedience type stories? Uh, you know, am I talking about, uh, you know, what am, I don't know what I'm talking about. It just feels like um, it, 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 for my personal like ethos of always wanting to be the kind of person that exemplifies uh, a, a, a kind of of non-aggression uh that uh well you know i was okay i was gonna say that i would love to see a story that kind of you know really resonates with that but we just had one right you know i'm, I'm quibbling it. over yeah exactly i'm quibbling over the notion that oh wouldn't you know it they actually they you know they they, they they held secret power that uh that uh that folks weren't aware of and and that can make all the difference in the world uh, right. You know, if they're hiding that, what else are they hiding? Are they hiding their their, their nuclear missiles? You know, well, no, like you know, that 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 wasn't yeah. that wasn't stated or given or any. You know, like I'm I'm right. putting too much into it now myself. Yeah, well, that's okay. That's what we do here on walking through the Stargate. Is that we put too much of ourselves in there? Sure. Yeah. Or okay. at least we think too hard. <laughs> uh, and sometimes it's a good true. thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Brent. Yeah. Now that we have thoroughly dis- uh, discussed uh, the Knox uh-huh. or, or thoroughly wandered around the Knox without actually talking, talking about it, you can decide. Uh, how would you rate, out of seven chevrons, the Knox? I, uh, it will be no surprise to anybody that um, given the sort of excitement that I was talking about the story, the general praise, the, you know, that, 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 that element of how this is just a nice good story wraps itself up pretty nicely, pretty, pretty solid all the way through a nice good story that I particularly resonate with personally that I'm going to be rating this thing pretty highly. Now, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to rate this thing bonkers high. I'm going to reserve uh, my sevens and my sixes even for a story that makes me just like, walk around with a stupid grin on my face for an extended period of time after watching it because it just kind of blew my mind wide open. This one though was just a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Great story, good writing, nice tight, uh, entire package. Uh, so I'm going to give it a five out of seven chevrons. Brent gives it a five out of seven chevrons. I, I'm going to look back in time and note that Brent did give the Broken Divide six chevrons. Oh, I did. And he gives this one five. I might need Um, to, I might need to go back and edit that episode. Well, it's already in the books. You can't edit that one. (laughs) Oh, hey. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Granted, everybody who's heard it has already heard it, but I can go back and change that file. So, Brent, what do you give it? I give it a... Seven out of seven chevrons, or whatever. So, anyway. You gave it. A, you want to? I know. Up up? I know. The joke <laughs> fell apart at the end there. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> so, Brent, uh, you know, I, I could repeat everything you, you just said, and I won't. Uh, I like this episode. It's a good episode. It's a great one. I'm not going to go quote bonkers with it. Uh, I am, however, going to give it my highest rating. Uh, and give it a 5.5. Ooh. Um, I'm going to say those. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I like this episode. I return to this episode mm-hmm. every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So this is a 5.5 for me. This is, uh, I think, the height of of uh, SG One so far as a TV yeah. show. Yeah. Um, this really, uh, you get good characters. Uh, you get a good story. It's just fun. So yeah. uh, Brent gives it five, and I give it five point five. Are you sure you want to change? You want to go with just five? You could change your mind. You still have time. I could. Yes. No. I'm going to stick with five. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to because you know peer pressure. Yeah. No. That's totally fine. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm even going to retcon a little bit and give my um, broken divide six. Uh, a little bit more uh, staying power, given my new parameters that I've just uh, declared to the universe, um, because Broca Divide felt like it had a bit more. Um, it, it felt tied into the story this season so far a little bit tighter than this one, and maybe that's unfair too. I don't know. The Knox just felt really clean and encapsulated in a good way. But mm-hmm. still, like, you know, extremely episodic. Like, ta-da, here's our story, here's the end, we're done, right? This is when I smile and don't say anything. <laughs> okay, well, then we'll find out later how all wrong right. I am. All right, no, that's all right. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Just all right. incorrect. Next time, Brent, we're going to watch an episode called uh-huh. Brief Candle. So brief tell candle. me, as the expert that you are, what mm-hmm. is Brief Candle about? Brief Candle. Brief Candle is going to be an avant-garde art episode where over the 40 minutes of airtime that they have, the story actually takes place in the span of three minutes centered around a tense scene where they are all trapped in some cave. And the only thing they have is a tea light and (laughs) they light that tea light in a desperate attempt to get out. And it lasts an extraordinarily short amount of time. Uh, And the, 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 the tension of the episode is the, the the remaining 33 minutes of time where a pitch black with commercial breaks so is it all pitch black or do you see the same three minutes of time from like seven different perspectives uh so in my head at first i'm talking about uh literally uh 30 odd minutes of darkness okay uh, so and, this is know. the john cage episode uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the whole thing is just really really short it's just a very short adventure. Okay, so if yeah. Brent is correct, and we watch <laughs> the promo here, we will be watching about what what thirty percent of the whole thing. <laughs> then, uh, so uh, so with that, let's see uh, what Brief Candle is all about. Are you all ready? Right. Yes, let's do it. All right. It looked like the perfect utopia. Things feel a little off here. Are you crazy? It's a paradise. But youthful bliss. You can't see anyone who looks like they're over 40. Has a price. How old are you? 21 days. And for O'Neill, it's a matter of life. At the rate you're changing, by the end of two weeks, you'll be the equivalent of 100. Or death. Oh! Get out of here. Oh. On the next Stargate SG. Oh man, everybody gets old. Oh, he gets really old! 
Oh, awesome! Yay! Did you lose? <laughs> so now I think Zach is going to have trouble with his audio all feed. Right. He's going to get uh, himself all squared away. All right, and I'm recording again. Give me, give me it, a, 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 some numbers here. Sure. One, so two, three, four, four five, five, six, six seven, seven, eight. eight. It's hard, isn't it? It is. My goodness, that's hard. <laughs> you come off different than me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, a brief candle. Yeah. Uh, so, find out uh, what yeah. happens. Uh, that one looks fun. I like that yeah. one. Yeah. So, Brent, do you have any final uh, comments before we put this in, in the bag? I think I think we're good. I like this one. Yeah. I, so, I, uh, I think I say that about every one. So far, I think at the end of every episode, except for the obviously bad ones, I keep saying, you know, I should do a supercut of me going, I like this one. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to emancipation and you like crickets. Yep. <laughs> Crickets. As it All should right. be. So, uh, you listeners out there, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, please email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Tell us what you think of the Knox. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have anything uh, that you think we just got absolutely wrong, let us know that. Uh, if you come up with those jingles that we started talking about earlier, uh, let us know that. We could be happy to have... Oh, there you go. <laughs> W-A-L-K Yep, yep S-T-A-R Yeah, I know Unfortunately <laughs> See, you could do so many things with that And we yeah. want to know what uh, you come up with that So let us know Let us know uh, And with that, I think uh, I'm Zach And I'm Brent And this has been Walking Through the Stargate See you next time See you later Bye Carter, dial it up Get these people home